Revenge, Season 1, Episode 11, Duress. Hi, and welcome to the Kowski Cast. I'm Mary. And I'm Laura. And today we're talking about episode 11 in the first season of Revenge. How are you doing, Laura, after a little break we've been on? This is our first time recording in, gosh, a really long time. So long. I think we took like a the summer off, basically. And uh, for good reason. I've Life's been crazy. Summer was really crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a I while. Know, even though we released two things two recordings recently they we we didn't record those uh for a while now so like since like april i think yeah you can tell in the last couple recordings uh i think at one point i said something about you had a cold and we mentioned oh yeah it's spring and um <laughs> release those in august it's fine don't worry about it i know it was it was good i uh just came back from a road trip and i was i listened to episode nine and ten and i'm glad i did because uh to get me back in the swing of things and and to see what I was doing back in uh, that time, back in, uh, in the spring. <laughs> yeah, so I know that things have been crazy. Both of us have moved in the last couple months, which has taken a lot of time, both through house hunting. Well, I had to house hunt. You moved back home to go to college or go to grad school. So that's a little bit, a little bit easier that you didn't have to pick out a place. But I had to go house hunting, roommate hunting, do all of that and move all my stuff. You also had to move on your stuff. And we both gone on several vacations. So look, we were just taking the summer off. It's fine. It's and fine. boys. Oh yeah, we had some we had some boy things up and down as well. We don't need to elaborate on that, but it's safe to say we've been a little bit hectic and busy with our lives. Yeah, and my room is still a complete disaster. I've moved in like a week or so, no, a couple weeks ago. I don't know, but I've been gone. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, Laura has moved back into my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's better. It's better than my old room. Uh, yeah, she had sort of a temporary bedroom built in our, our parents' house, and so she she took my official bedroom that I picked out and, you know, organized exactly where I wanted the outlets and everything, and it's fine. I'm I'm not bitter or anything. It, it does look completely different than, it's set up completely different than how your room was set up, so it's kind of different. It's not like I'm, it, it doesn't feel like I'm in your your old room, really. Except where I'm looking at you on this camera, I see my curtain in the background, which is the one thing I really did pick out for that room. So. Okay, I kept the curtain, for sure. Yeah. It's a nice curtain. But I will say, uh, last Monday, I one of the few nights I've actually stayed here, and I was preparing for a big trip the next morning, um, and in the middle of the night, I was laying down, and I heard this big, like, thump. And then, like, some more noise, and what it ended up being, I think, the trash can is right outside my window, right outside your window, your old window, and I think a bear got into our trash can and knocked it over and was going through all the stuff because our trash can was knocked over, and I ran into mom and dad's room. It sounds so, it's so bad. I'm 25 years old, and I still got so freaked out. I thought someone was outside. And I ran to mom and dad's room. I startled mom. She came over with me. And we both kind of looked outside. I didn't see the animal. But uh, the trash can was uh, tipped over. And also 
the re- what really freaked me out was I thought that it was actually somebody out there. That's that's animals. And you think me, it, and you think it was a louder noise than like a raccoon or something? Yeah. Oh, and the trash can's huge. It's not one of those little kitchen trash cans. It's a big trash can for outside. <laughs> Why would there uh, be a kitchen trash can outside your window? What? Pardon? Why would there be a kitchen trash can outside your window? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't make sense. But when I got back home yesterday, uh, I saw that mom and dad had put on. Uh, what are those things called? Bungee cords to keep the trash can lid down. But it really freaked me out. And I don't know if you ever experienced that when you were living here, but my mind just like went to, oh my gosh, there's like a sniper outside. And I like quickly rolled over, went like all like army style on the ground, like crawled outside of the wind, like crawled outside of the door and then ran to mom and dad's room. You have clearly so- not been playing enough video games. Snipers would not make a big loud noise like that. <laughs> They would be more subtle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. It was like 2 a.m. I was not thinking straight and I was mm-hmm. preparing to leave for like a week week trip uh, the next day. So, Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we have gone on a couple of vacations. I know you just came back from Atlanta visiting some family and we previously went on a trip in, I guess, the end of July with uh, you and me and our parents went to go visit our brother, who was in Seattle at the time, and then we went on a nice little cruise to Alaska, so that was a fun time. Highly recommend cruises to Alaska. We may do some sort of video or podcast or something at some point uh, discussing that whole trip because it was a really cool experience, and I definitely recommend it if you live anywhere near there or want to fly <laughs> to to Seattle to take a cruise to Alaska. It's a good time. Yep, it, when, it was definitely way different than a spring break college spring break cruise to the Bahamas. That was like the last cruise I had been on. This was completely different. So if you're expecting a crazy cruise, don't go on it. But if you want a chill cruise that's really about the nature or really about nature and also about great food, go on the Alaska cruise. Oh yeah, I definitely think the food was better on this cruise ship. Although I'm not really picky. So I, you know, I've been on Carnival and Royal Caribbean and I didn't mind it, but it's definitely a lot more of like a fun party atmosphere on those type of cruises. Yeah, not that there's not, we still had a ton of fun on this cruise. It was just a lot different, but we're older now and we did so much stuff during the day that for for me, it was really hard for me to stay up past like 10 o'clock. I know Mary, you were able to stay up later. Good for you, but uh... (laughs) I was falling asleep at like nine o'clock. <laughs> well, it's just because I don't have a whole lot of other opportunities to gamble. And so I didn't feel comfortable gambling in front of the parents. But, at, you know, 1 a.m. when everyone else is asleep sounded like a good time. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, previously to that, I went on a backpacking trip with two of my friends, my two roommates, uh, to Switzerland and to Italy. So I was doing that the end of May and the ha- half of June. We were gone for two weeks. So it was it was a great, amazing trip. Uh, we were walking every single day, saw all the sights, uh, and stayed in hostels for the first time. I was out of the country. I flew by myself. Uh, I had done it before, but not an eight-hour overnight flight before. So, But you've never gone out of the country and definitely not flown out of the country either. Yep. You're right. You're right. It was definitely, it was, gosh, a summer of adventure. Like you said, we were both moving and then sprinkling a little, little boy stuff there too, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you want to hear more about that, you can uh, check out the Taryn Show interview that I did on Rob as a podcast. And I've been doing some Big Brother live feed updates over there as well. So if you're listening to this 
at all near the time it was released, <laughs> then that's the only time it'll be relevant. But feel free to check those out over on Rob is a Podcast if you're interested in a professional podcast. Yeah, there's a shameless plug. <laughs> Yeah, we can move on from that. But hey, at least you weren't dating anyone who was pretending to be someone else, right? Perfect segue. Let's talk about revenge. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. There's like multiple people (laughs) pretending to be... Oh, yeah. I mean, this show is so confusing. In all of my notes, I keep writing Amanda. I mean, Emily, Emily. I mean, Amanda. It keeps getting confusing, but... Let's let's uh let's get started with this. This is one of the first episodes we've had in a while that has one cohesive plot throughout the whole thing and it seems relevant. It doesn't feel like just a little gimme random person coming in who's a bad guy and we're going to seek revenge on them and then we'll never see them again. This plot line really did connect what we've been seeing for the first several episodes with Tyler and also starts up some some uh, interesting points that we're going to be looking at going forward, namely with the Amanda Clark character and her meeting the Graysons for the first time uh, in that direction. So probably for this episode, the best way to do it is to sort of go through point by point what happens. But the main, the setting of this is the weekend or a couple days before and including Daniel Grayson's birthday. And did you happen to catch which birthday it is? How old he's turning? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me see if I have it in my notes. I don't believe so. But, I mean, he looks, what would you think, mid, mid-20s? mid Yeah, I, I bet it's probably his maybe 26th birthday. That would just be a guess of where where the age is. Um, I know we keep, we keep having to guess this and we've never bothered to really look it up, but it doesn't really appear to be mentioned in the episode anywhere. But just using the idea that he was in in grad school and has come home and they never really mention if it was like his last see, you know year in grad school or not. I think it probably was. So what would that put him at? 26, 27, somewhere in that range well, probably? Well, did he, did he take a break between undergrad and grad? You know, that can also play a role. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. So we don't really hear a whole lot about that. But anyway, he's probably in his mid to upper 20s. And... It starts out with, uh, actually, it starts out with a flash forward, I guess. Yep, yep, flash forward, and it really, this is one of the things that I love about Revenge, is just those opening scenes that really grab you, where it opens up, and you see Tyler, and he's pointing a gun to Emily's head, and then you can kind of see, and they start zooming out, and it's, it's at a dinner where the whole family is there, all the Graysons are there, so it's, it's not like he's doing this in private, it's at a, an event. Yeah, and I, I think from the beginning of the episode, you start, you see Emily sitting down at a table with the cake in front of her, and it says, happy birthday, Daniel, so you know it's his birthday, and then I think they show maybe Daniel's face and both of the Grayson parents, and I don't think they show too many other people at the table at that point, but we'll see that there are more people invited at the end of the episode. So you see them, and then you see Tyler pointing his, pointing his gun, and, uh, and that's when the beginning of the episode starts. Well, I was gonna say, I guess you could kind of tell that uh, at first you see the cake and you see Emily's face and you're seeing everybody's faces, but they're not, they're not uh, happy. They're not acting happy or anything. It's like a- They seem stunned or surprised. Yeah. Intense. Very tense. Very intense. And then you see the gun and you're like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? (laughs) Right. And then it says uh, two days earlier. 
Right. And so we get this quote at the beginning of the episode that says, defense lawyers use the term duress to describe the use of force, coercion, or psychological pressure exerted on a client in the commission of a crime. When duress is applied to the emotionally unstable, the result can be as violent as it is unpredictable. And mostly that's just giving you a definition if you don't know what duress means. It comes up a couple times in the episode, but it's not... (sighs) I feel like we need to go through and discuss at some point how all the episode titles relate to the episodes and if they do, because I think at some point they just want to have a fun little short word that draws you in without it really having too much to do with the episode itself. Exactly. When are they going to run out of words? One, just one word to describe. Well, it's not a very long show, so luckily they don't have to have to come up with that. It's only got four seasons. But we, yeah, we flash back to two days earlier, which is always fun because unlike the last big scene we had that involved a gun, which was the engagement party, we have to wait who knows how many episodes until we get to that episode. Uh, We get that at the very beginning of the first, of the pilot episode, and we haven't actually concluded that scenario yet. So we're still waiting on that. But Daniel is talking with Emily, and he says he wants to do something small for his birthday, and she suggests a clam bake on the beach, and they both discuss how Tyler never came back to the Grayson Manor last night. So this is another episode that took place directly after the previous episode. It's the the next morning. So Daniel then is going to call Victoria because he wants to tell her, you know, about his plans for his birthday, but more importantly, he says that he's going to spy on Conrad from the inside because he wants to help her from with her divorce. Conrad had come over to Emily's house, which again, we've talked about this many times, but just knocks and then comes in, in the door, opens it. It's not locked. No one even answers. He just invites himself in and he's talking with Daniel and telling Daniel that he, you know, he wants his support in this divorce, even if even if Daniel's going to be on the side with Victoria. He, he doesn't want to lose Daniel completely. And Daniel basically says, look, I'll come back to the company if you fire Tyler. Yeah, Conrad was trying to mend the relationship and Daniel kind of went along with it. But you'll see that he's, Daniel's really using this fake mended relationship so that he can kind of keep tabs on Conrad to report back to Victoria. So his Yeah, real, he's playing him. His real uh, allegiance is with his mom. Right. Yeah, it definitely is. And so that's why he calls Victoria immediately and tells her that he's going to basically pretend to mend things with his father in order to hopefully find some sort of information, whether it be at the office or something like that, to help her win this, you know, come out on top during this divorce. I mean, what do you think he... I'm just curious what he thinks... How he's going to be able to help. What kind of information would help Victoria? Well, I mean, if he found something that was incriminating against Conrad, like if he had any shady business deals or anything like that, that would probably, you know, anything like that could help Victoria to come out on top. I think that he doesn't necessarily have anything in particular that he's looking for. I, I don't think this has anything to do with the David Clark case. I don't think Victoria wants him to find out. I don't think Daniel has really any leads in that direction. I just think he knows that his dad's shady and... You know, he at this point, he feels bad for his mom. So, you know, this show, I feel like the children flip-flop back and forth a lot. Yeah. But for, for the most part, Daniel seems to be closer with Victoria, and Charlotte seems to be closer with Conrad. With Conrad, yep, exactly. So, but then during that conversation that Daniel has with his mom, 
does he mention the clan bag there or yeah uh, victoria says you know oh so have you thought about anything you want to do for your birthday and i'm thinking honey this is two days until his birthday y'all really haven't planned anything you you know that this is this is the most inaccurate thing of the whole episode is that his mom would have been planning this for months even even though a bunch of other stuff's been going on in the hamptons she would have had a plan for her son's birthday so you're right that is a continuity error yeah something it's just it's not really a continuity error it's just sort of like a hole in logic based on everything we've seen from these characters so far but but yeah he says you know a clam bake and she's all oh that's so cute and then the second she hangs up the phone and ashley comes in asking what to do for the birthday she's like oh it's just a clam bake whatever yeah. you're, you know, <laughs> but doesn't beneath in us. the beginning when emily and daniel are talking before conrad gets there doesn't doesn't it sh- seem like Emily is the one that kind of plants the seed to do a clam bake? Or does he, does Daniel ask Emily what they should do? He says that he wants to do something simple, and she suggests a clam bake by the beach, and he says that's perfect. I think that he is a little more of a, you know, simple person. I don't think that this is some, like, long thought out plot of, oh, it needs to be a clam bake. I think she just, I think Emily knows that Victoria is going to think that this is beneath her, and so she knows that it's sort of like a, point in her favor, you know, like, that she's winning against Victoria by getting Daniel to do something that's more low-key. Exactly, but do you, I can't remember, does Victoria at all hint that this is Emily's idea? Like, yes, she does. She, yeah. when she's talking with Ashley, she says, you know, oh, Ashley, go ahead and lend a hand to Emily, basically calling out that she knows that it was Emily's idea. She says, you know, you go, feel free to lend a your severely overqualified hand so which i mean is true like ashley could have probably pulled off a much better party but it's still it's two days two days (sighs) yeah exactly but uh a clam bake doesn't sound that bad have you ever had a clam bake have you ever even eaten clams outside of like clam chowder no wait not even on our cruise what's that thing they do in the south it's like lobsters and corn no you mean it's usually crabs so a crab bake oh a crab which I've, bake. I've, and it's not necessarily i mean i don't know what you mean by the south like i've had it in uh it was either north or south carolina i went to the beach with some friends that's and the south whatever well we had we had a we had a clan or a crab bake which is similar but you, you know you have a crab pot and you cook the crabs in it usually put like old bay seasoning and then yeah you put corn and potatoes and I don't know what else we had. If there were maybe carrots or something. But, oh, shrimp. We also had shrimp, shrimp. in ours. You kind of, so. what I've seen, I've never actually been to one, but I've seen it on, like, from vloggers on YouTube and on just different reality shows, like um, Southern Charmed Savannah, maybe. Uh, they do on, and they, they just pour it all out on a big uh, table outside. And everybody's just kind of standing around the table. It's not, like, a classy thing. Oh, ours was a little bit more classy, but the people I went with were a little more classy. Oh. <laughs> we had ours in probably a little more close to, like, what they had in this in this t- episode, even though they were using clams. But we had it on a big – I mean, we were eating it at the table. And, you know, crabs, you have to eat with your hands. But it was on a big platter sort of laid out. But it's – it's yeah, it's a big smorgasbord of, of food. And it's it's really good. But I will say that the uh, the man who was cooking it went a little bit crazy with the uh, Old Bay. It was a little Old Bay heavy. <laughs> I'm about to look that up, though, because crab bake doesn't sound right at all. I mean, that's what it is. It's just the same thing. 
just instead of using clams. Clam bakes, I oh, think, Oh, no, are it's more... a crab boil. Oh, crab boil. Crab okay, boil. Sure. I, yeah, you're right, yeah, you're right. Because you, you oh, boil it, them in a pot. It has, like, the lemons, like, half a lemon, uh, crabs and potatoes, like you said, and um, corn. Corn. Yeah, and, and, and I think shrimp was the only other thing shrimp. we had in there. I just know people are going to be like, wait, no, no, it's not a bake, it's a boil. You're right, you're right, boil. Not boil, boil it's a boil, boil, boil. Yeah, I didn't say broil. No one no one said broil. <laughs> I just said that in my... Okay. Yes, but a clam bake is slightly different, and they, you know, they made it authentically on the beach, so... I'm about to look up uh, crab bo- boil versus... Clam bake? Whoa. Oh, wait, there's a crawfish boil is to the south what a clam bake is to the New Englander. Okay, so clam bake is more something that they do up north in New England, which is it's appropriate for the Hamptons, and a crawfish, crawfish boil <laughs> is a southern thing, and... Okay, cool, cool, so that makes... I mean, a lot of that has to do with, like, where you get those... Um, those fish from clam bake meets crawfish boil or a yankee goes south i don't know whatever okay you, we boil. don't need to just be I, googling I'm just up stuff at this point now i'm making this is getting me hungry i didn't even eat dinner i'm just drinking wine at this point oh nice well <laughs> it's been a long day or yeah a long last couple hours let me tell you don't be a procrastinator that's what i'm have been and when you when you figure out the tuition for grad school is due tonight or to today and you weren't planning to pay for it uh tonight let me just yeah so okay moving on (laughs) so emily goes over to nolan's house because she realizes we talked about this at the end of the last episode they sort of had a fight because nolan got beat up by uh tyler gosh I, i just hate tyler feel like I need to throw that in every episode. So Nolan got beat up by Tyler and he got mad and for some reason blamed Emily for this, even though it was his idea to take down Tyler. And he's like, oh, I can handle this, whatever. So he he was all mad at Emily. And so she goes over to his house this episode and apologizes to him. And they discuss how they found out that Tyler took the whale cam and that's, you know, that has a USB drive and still has all the information on it. Here's my thought. Hey, remember the last time the whale cam got taken and it was at Lydia's house and it recorded all that footage and then you got it back? Why did you not back that up to your computer and delete it off there so that if anyone stole it again, that, you know, you wouldn't have, they wouldn't have this secretive information. Not sure why they don't learn their lessons, but Regardless, they decide that Tyler having this information, since it's all information against Conrad, might actually be a way that Conrad will want to take Tyler down. Because if Tyler tries to blackmail Conrad, which he does, then Conrad's probably not going to stand for that. And, you know, in a fight between Tyler and Conrad, pretty sure Conrad's going to win 10 times out of 10. For sure. Tyler is nothing compared to the power of Conrad. If Conrad can get a guy uh, to jail, he can do anything. If he can get a guy to get to jail, you mean frame him for the biggest crime of the century or whatever? Okay, yeah, the, I, the way I said it uh, didn't really make any sense. But if he can get a guy convicted of a really bad uh, crime, 
Yeah, that he was framed for, that he didn't even do. So another big subject or plot of this episode is the divorce that's still going on, and they're having a divorce meeting, which is taking the lawyers of both sides, both Conrad and Victoria, and Victoria's lawyer is saying, well, Victoria, what she wants in this divorce is the mansion and art pieces and Charlotte, which is, that's probably the main thing that Conrad's not happy about. And Conrad's lawyer is saying that they'll use the prenup that they had, that Victoria and Conrad had used. And Victoria's lawyer is saying that the prenup actually does not count because Victoria was pregnant, which qualifies her under uh, duress. Right, which is really the main mention of the title in this episode. So yeah, we we touch on a couple points there. First off, they're listing out all these different properties that uh, the Graysons own. And one, I think, was in, where was it, Aspen or or somewhere, somewhere... um, you know, for skiing, it sounds like. And there was, you know, they mention a apartment in New York and a couple other places. And Victoria saying, let's just cut to the chase. The only one I care about is this manor in the Hamptons. And it's kind of difficult to tell exactly why Victoria is so drawn to this particular manor, you know, above all their other properties. My gut feeling is that it has something to do with the history of David living yeah. next door, and this was the place she fell in love, etc. So I think that this place has special meaning to her, unlike most of the other properties. It sounds like also, based on what the lawyers say, this is probably the most expensive property out of all of them, so if she ever were to sell it, it would probably get her the most money. Um, and That's you true. Get the feeling- I, I think it's because of the connection with the history of David, but you know what? If you're trying to get over an ex, don't be living in that house that he lived beside. You, yeah, you would think. Um, I mean, <laughs> if I had, you know, if I were them and I had committed a crime, I would leave the scene of the crime, not stay there forever. But it's a little suspicious that she wants that place so much. I wasn't even thinking about the crime aspect. I was just thinking the love aspect. But uh, right. the crime aspect. Yeah, that too. You're right. There's probably red-handed all over that place. So get out of there. Yes, exactly. So... And then we get to the bit about her being pregnant when she signed the prenup. Now, at first I was thinking, okay, who is this? Because Daniel, I I don't think we had ever heard any point before that Daniel was, you know, um, a a child. Born out of wedlock. Yeah, we had never heard of that or anything. And so we find out in a couple scenes later that this was a baby that was never, you know, brought to term. That this was, uh, that she miscarried. Um, or they, so she they, says. They say that at the very, very end, I'm pretty sure. Well, it was about halfway through the episode that we mentioned it three times. There are three different meetings between Victoria and her uh, her lawyer, who at this point, of the two lawyers, we don't really know anything about Conrad's, but we do know that Victoria's lawyer is Ryan Huntley, and Ryan was in charge of the appeal for uh, David Clark back during the David Clark trial, and he decided not to go through with the appeal um, because he had been probably blackmailed by the Graysons or told not to. Well, yeah, I was going to say that there's the scene where Emily is talking to Ryan and she says, oh, they got to you, didn't they? And they're right. hinting, she's hinting that they, is the, uh, the Graysons, had gotten to him. Yeah, we have a flashback sort of midway through the episode where Emily is 
walking into the Grayson Manor and she sees Ryan Huntley leaving. And then they, we have a flashback that doesn't look too long ago because Emily is a teenager or a young adult and she's got the dark hair. And I'm looking at this going, I'm really surprised that he doesn't recognize you now because you look exactly the same except with different hair. But I think it's that kind of thing where he would never expect, you know, Emily Thorne to have been Amanda Clark. So why, you know... Why there's, would that, would that be necessary? Honestly, in real life, there's so many scenarios and situations I find myself in where I see somebody and either I'm not thinking that they're going to be there. So it takes me a while to register, oh, wait, oh, my gosh, that was that person. So Right. Yeah, that just happened to me the other day. I went to a store and I someone behind the counter was talking to me as if they knew me and I had no clue who they were for a little while until I realized, oh, they were on our cross-country team in high school, but I just wasn't expecting to have seen them working at the store that I was at, you know, so. Mine was like, I was at my pool, my my apartment pool, and uh, I realized way later, like, 30 minutes, I don't know, it was a long enough time that I wasn't going to go up to them, but I could see them across the pool and I realized, oh my gosh, those two guys are my friends, or... (laughs) distant friends i hadn't seen them in a long time a year or so and they don't live in my apartment so i was just not expecting them to be there at all but it was kind of this awkward thing where you either say hi right away when you get there or now it's been too late or maybe that's just a problem that i have now you know what that needs to be a new year's resolution of mine is when i see someone that i know just go up to them and say hey hi there's so many points where like like you said, like the person is my waitress or the person is the person across the counter and I know who they are, but I'm like, oh, do they know who I am? And I, we do this whole awkward thing where we don't really acknowledge each other. I probably should just be like, hey, hey, Joe Smith. Hi, how's it going? You know, like just go ahead and just say their name. Yeah, just be more be more upfront and confident. And, you know, what the worst thing that's going to happen is they're not going to remember you instantly and and then you just reintroduce yourself. It's fine. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so Ryan Huntley, uh, like we were talking about, he had met Amanda earlier on. And it sounds like he was in some way blackmailed out of working for David Clark during this trial. And most recently, we saw him a couple episodes ago. Uh, Conrad had gone to him wanting him to be his uh, lawyer in this divorce. And because he was also the lawyer who... I think he was the one who who got um, who worked for Lydia's husband and got Lydia's husband a good deal, you know, in their divorce. So he decides to deny Conrad and go work for Victoria. That's where we last left off with him. But we we know that Emily probably recognizes who he is. And and I wasn't I can't remember if Emily had seen him in the last few episodes or not, but she definitely saw him this time. So you know, I kind of have a problem about this whole duress thing uh saying that a woman is duress under duress when she's pregnant you know i kind of have mixed feelings about that the feminist of me i don't know it's like it, it works out in the end if you're a victoria fan but if you're not on victoria's side it's i don't know i yeah I don't it's think a I little say that bit for nine months my brain is just not working properly because i'm pregnant well i don't necessarily think that's what usually the courts are talking about. I mean, that can, you know, the, the hormone aspect can probably relate a little bit, but I think it, it mostly comes from um, a woman feeling like she needs to marry the man because she is pregnant. 
and which is kind of ironic because usually it's sort of the other way around of, of um, you know, you talk about like shotgun weddings and stuff of a, of a father forcing a guy to marry his daughter, you know, if he, if he gets her pregnant. And I think that that's sort of where this comes from a little more. I, I actually looked it up because I was, I was curious to see because the way they talk about it in this episode is, oh, of course, anyone who's pregnant can easily get out of the terms of a prenup because they're under duress. Um, when I looked it up, it's actually a lot more subjective than that. It's not just a cut and dry thing. It has to do with a lot of different factors, including uh, how long she was pregnant. Um, so, and, and when the prenup was written uh, in relation to when you actually got married. So let's say you write a prenup when it's six months before the wedding is going to happen. You probably cl- can't claim duress for that. However, if the prenup is being written, you know, a week before the wedding, that is a lot more likely because it's a much quicker, uh, you know, action thing. If, if you're writing a prenup when you are only a few days or, you know, weeks pregnant, that's probably a lot different than if you're nine, you know, eight and a half months pregnant. So there were a lot of different factors uh, that go into this, and it's not a cut and dry thing that if you are pregnant while a prenup is being written, that you're always going to be able to change that should you get in a, a divorce. I don't know. You know what? I kind of, what you just said, I kind of disagree with. I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like, say I was pregnant uh, a while ago, say I got pregnant in sweet, uh, 16 and pregnant, say I'm 16 in high school, and I find out right away, first month of my missed period, I find out that I'm pregnant. And I'm talking to my boyfriend, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, maybe I shouldn't say 16. Maybe I should say more like 20, uh, because that makes more sense. But if I was like 20 with my boyfriend, and we found out, you know, that first month, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. Let's get married right now to make it look like we were married before. You have, you know, to kind of make it seem like you were the wedding was going to happen before the pregnancy at all? Well, I don't, but that's not, that's not what they're talking about. What they're talking about is that if you're pregnant and it's, you know, six, seven months before the wedding is going to happen, not six to seven months before you're going to have a child, but just six to seven months before a wedding happens and you write this prenup, that is plenty of time for the woman to get out of the marriage and decide against it or change the terms of the prenup or whatever. But if you write a prenup a couple days before, a couple weeks before your wedding, it seems a lot more like it was a rushed thing. She didn't have time to change her mind. She's dealing with this pregnancy. There are a lot of other factors. I think that's, from what I've read at least, and I was, you know, reading this forum where a person was asking questions about this for themselves, those were the answers I was getting from the attorneys who were writing on there. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I understand that. I, I didn't do any research about it. I'm, I haven't been in that <laughs> position, so I was just playing devil's advocate. <laughs> yes, yes. But, but you know, the, the point is this show is making it seem like 100% of the time if you're pregnant, oh, it's fine. You'll be able to get out of that prenup. And no, it, not necessarily the case. Uh, it also depends state to state, you know, depending on did you sign the prenup with a lawyer present? Did you not? Etc. Um, although I'm sure Conrad Grayson had a lawyer present when they were signing a prenup. That seems like the kind of thing he would do. But another thing that we found out about this is we found out that they did sign a prenup. We, I wasn't sure that that necessarily happened. You don't have a whole lot of details about the circumstances behind their marriage. And, you know, we, you, from what we've heard in the show, it sounds like they had been in love at the time. And why would they be signing a prenup? You know, how much more uh, wealthy was Conrad than Victoria at this time? And things like that. We don't really, really know as much. Yeah, I'd be interested to see the backgrounds of both of them 
uh, see where they came from, and maybe they'll describe that um, and go go into more depth uh, later on as the season progressed, or maybe even in following seasons. But I guess they are. It sounded like wait, did Conrad not know she was pregnant? So are they trying to make it sound like she had been pregnant uh, without his knowledge? No, I, I think what they were trying to make it sound like was she was pregnant, which was probably a catalyst for why they were getting married and probably a catalyst for why they were writing a prenup. You know, they're all sort of related. It, it doesn't necessarily seem like 100% of their own free will were they getting married or writing the prenup or whatever. Now, we find out shortly later in the episode, Victoria tells Huntley that she faked the pregnancy. She wasn't actually pregnant. Um, we don't really know how far along she said she said that she told conrad that she miscarried at 10 weeks i'm not sure if that means she was 10 weeks pregnant and she said she miscarried or that there were 10 weeks left in her pregnancy and she said she miscarried either way doesn't matter we don't really know if she was stuffing a pillow in her shirt or what or you know what the circumstances around this pregnancy were but it sounds like it was fake meaning possibly we are getting some insight into Maybe some of the reason Conrad married Victoria in the first place was he thought she was pregnant. Yeah, I mean, if Maybe she it wasn't she all was ten weeks out, I think that means. Or wait, shh, wait a minute. Ten weeks out is ten weeks out from the pregnancy, but she says she was ten weeks is it, in. Is it? But is it? Yeah. See, I don't know. I and I don't know if they if she said. I, I'm pretty sure the the way she worded it was that she lost the baby at 10 weeks. Okay, so that means that she's I 10 think. weeks pregnant, and if it's her first child, which it sounds like it was her first child you don't even start to show until like way later than that that'll only be like uh three months and you probably wouldn't show so it doesn't take that hard to convince we don't know what kind of clothing she was wearing back then but no i'm just saying you're probably not gonna show at all yeah your first your first trimester i don't know i i'm not the expert on pregnancy here i'm just going i'm just the expert on duress people that i know of (laughs) Right. So, so that's, that's most of what we get with the lawyers. Um, the, oh, the other thing we had mentioned there was about Charlotte, and I was a little bit surprised to see that, you know, we, we heard that, uh, Conrad wanted to take full custody of Charlotte. And I think the issue here is that while Victoria and Charlotte don't have a great relationship, I don't think Victoria's, like, a bad parent to to Charlotte. You know, they they don't like each other, but she hasn't been cruel or, or you know abusive or anything like that. And so I'm not really sure why either of them think they would ever get full custody. And in, in you know in this circumstance, unless Charlotte wanted to choose one over the other completely, I feel like uh, it would be more likely that they would sort of share custody in this case. Yep, you're right. Uh, Victoria definitely hasn't done anything that would make her seem like a bad parent, and. The reason why Charlotte could like her father more is because maybe Victoria is being a better parent and parenting her and being kind of the Conrad bad guy in situations, which yeah. could be why a teenager, I mean, we were both teenagers at one time, and I know when I was a teenager, I had gotten into a, every day was a battle, basically, with my mom. <laughs> uh, I love her to death, and we're, like, best friends now, but we went through, like, pretty much all teenagers do, you know, just... Everything is an argument, and so I could see how Charlotte would want to be with her dad. Yeah, and, you know, we do have evidence from, uh, it was one of the earlier episodes this season, that 
Victoria had been talking to a therapist and, and, you know, talking about, oh, I wonder if it was even a good idea to have a second child. And, and that could be really rough to hear. But at the same time, that wasn't something she was saying to Charlotte. I think it's been pretty clear that's not really the way she feels about Charlotte. It was just something she was saying in therapy when she was stressed out and and stuff like that. But yep, so anyway, that she had didn't think that Charlotte would ever hear. Not saying that you should say stuff just because you know someone else won't hear, but... She wasn't necessarily censoring herself because she thought she was in a safe place. Yeah, and I mean, parents are humans too. While you should, you know, hopefully never regret that you had any children, you are going to think realistically about your life and how things, you know, have gone and how things would be. And it's it's not, she wasn't really talking about Charlotte in those instincts. Yeah, I'm not really sure why I'm trying to stick up for Victoria right now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's just move on. But <laughs> I'm not thinking about why am I trying to stick up with her. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I'm just a playing devil's advocate. That's it. So the the next scene we get is Tyler talking with Conrad and he, he confronts him. I think Tyler had snuck into to Conrad's office. hotel room or something. Oh, it was hard oh. to tell whether... I didn't think it was the office at Grayson Manor because I think, you know, Victoria would have seen him and that would have been kind of weird. Uh, but, yeah, it sounds like he, he went to Conrad's office and he basically tells Conrad, I have all this evidence on you about, you know, your crimes against David Clark and, uh, you know, I, I'll agree not to show it to anyone if you give me a really good job, basically. It seems like what the deal seems to be. I'm not sure why Tyler wants a really good job and not just say, like, give me several million dollars. I feel like that would be easier. And you Yeah, know, but how the job long... would give you continuous money, whereas... Well, right, but I, I feel like asking Conrad for a job that gives Conrad years and years and years to find a way out of this deal, you know? Well, that's true. I feel like Tyler doesn't just want money. You know, he really wants... You're right. He wants influence and he wants to feel successful. And I feel like maybe he's even staying close to Grayson's because he wants a family. Like, a, a close family. I don't... I, You're giving Tyler a little bit too much credit there. I mean, I hate him, but I'm just thinking... <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is just the episode where we play devil's advocate for all the bad guys. <laughs> I don't know what's in me. It's, it's the wine. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we see that Conrad doesn't seem to really be thrilled about this idea, but we don't get a nice conclusion there. So that's when we said that Emily comes over to the house, sees Ryan Huntley, and we have that flashback scene of her meeting with him and offering him the infinity box that she says has all the evidence needed to prove her father's innocence. Now, we know based on what she's talking about, this is after her father has already been killed. And she's basically telling Huntley, you are just as respond." Yes, her father was killed in prison. Before she by, got released out of juvie. Right, before before she got released. And yeah. so she is basically telling him, you know, you are just as responsible for his death as the person who killed him because you could have gotten him out of jail before this happened and you didn't. So I think that's really the main reason Emily is going to be probably trying to take him down at some point is because she's blaming him for, you know, her father's death. Several things in this flashback bother me. We already talked about the whole fact that she's older, using her name, and that he could easily recognize her again. Though I'm guessing at this time, she was not thinking about going undercover. Uh, The other thing that really bothers me is that she shows him the 
box. We don't know if he looked at any of the evidence. We don't know what he knows or what he doesn't know. I think it's supposed to be implied from that scene that he looks at the box and gives her a look basically saying, yeah, I already know he's innocent. I just didn't do it because, you know, the Graysons made me and that's why she says, oh, I see they got to you. But the part that bothers me is she's still using this infinity box. If he finds this infinity box at her house, I mean, this doesn't happen, but assume, you know, there there are so many ways he could connect the dots and realize that she is Amanda Clark from this scene. Yeah, um, you're just made to believe that he's got too much on his, on his mind, on, on his plate, that he's not going to worry about those little things. It's like in the past, you know? What that trial, everything with David is already done, <laughs> dead and done, done and dead. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing about that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's horrible. I don't know, but anyway, so Emily sees passes by Ryan in the house because she's heading to the pool house to get the whale cam. And well, real quick, there's actually something really important that happens right before that oh. is that she stops she stops by and talks to Victoria real quick and tells Victoria that they're discussing the the clam bake or whatever it is and she mentions that she is inviting Jack Porter and Amanda Clark to the party and that they are going to be helping set up, but since they've become really good friends, that they're also going to be invited. And she's clearly doing this just to read Victoria's reaction to hearing that Amanda Clark's going to be there. We already know that Victoria doesn't love Jack Porter, or she at least doesn't like, you know, Declan, so close enough. Who does she like? She I, doesn't like no Emily. One, no one is ever going to be good enough for her children, yeah. okay? She likes, um... I mean, she kind of like Tyler, I guess. Well, no. This kids. actually is topical. So um, a movie just came out, Crazy Rich Asians, and is really good. I recommend it. It's a fun rom-com. But the main plot line there is also about how this very wealthy mother doesn't really think anyone's good enough for her children. And there's more to it than that. But this really reminded me, watching this scene after seeing that movie last night, it really reminded me of, uh, you know, how Victoria... Victoria's relationship with Emily compared to that movie, very similar. And I think maybe that just comes with wealth, that you're always going to suspect that, you know, the people who are going to want to be, you know, getting with your children may be not there for the right reasons. Yeah, I would say that, but uh, in this case, Emily is very successful and rich. So it's not like she's using Daniel for his money. She probably has more money than he does, really. Probably, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not sure how much, you know... Daniel actually has access to it at this point. Out of pocket, but he, I guess just the name Grayson, he's got a lot that he would get eventually. Right. I yeah. think Emily sort of comes off as being more like new money, whereas the Graysons are a little bit older money. I, I say that, and yet we still don't really have a whole lot of information about where Conrad's money came. Like, was it a family business before him? Did he start the business? I'm not really sure. Yeah, I know. We need more character development. Yeah, hopefully we'll get it. So anyway, continue what you were talking about. Uh, uh, Emily's going to the pool house. Oh yeah, she's going to the pool house to get the whale cam. And that's when she sees that Tyler has a pill prescription. And she looks on it and she sees that he has, he's taken some serious narcotics. Um, well, they're anti-psychotics. Huh? Pardon? They're anti-psychotic medicines. I don't know if they're narcotics. I thought it said. I don't even know what. <laughs> I don't know. I put yeah, narcotics. They're, they're, an, in my... they're anti antipsychotic medicine. But because he's um, narcotic. Wait, no. What does narcotic even mean? <laughs> narcotics are things that put you to sleep. Oh shoot! 
<laughs> That's way off. I'm way off on that. Wait, I know. Like, I really don't think they're narcotics. Huh. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm second guessing myself. I'm looking this up now. Narcotics, a drug or ab- other substance affecting mood or behavior for us and sold for non-medical purposes. A uh, drug that relieves pain and induces drowsiness. Okay, so I guess they could be, by the first definition, they could be narcotics. I always assume narcotics are supposed to put you to sleep <laughs> for whatever reason. But um, I don't know. Whatever. They're, the, what they say in the show is that they're anti-psychotics. Oh, I thought on the thing it said medicine. narcotics. But, you know, narcotics. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. <laughs> Medical <laughs> terms. We're not doctors either. Pardon? We're not doctors. Oh, we don't gosh, know. yeah. <laughs> I am really not an expert in um, anything. I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. That's what I like to call myself. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, and of course, she's, you know, going around, snooping around Tyler's stuff, and boom, Tyler comes in right there. Actually, no, wait, sorry. She sees that Tyler's coming in, and then she hides. Yeah. <laughs> we, the viewer, we see Tyler coming, and then we don't really see, like, okay, her Okay, wow. I read my notes. Escape. I wasn't reading far enough in. Uh, I saw Tyler comes into the pool house, and Emily watches as he loses it. So I realized that she was looking from in a distance. She sees that he's looking for the pills. He can't find them. He's thrown all this stuff around. He's basically just going crazy because he's off his meds. And I can't even tell whether or not he, because he keeps saying, where are, where is it, where is it? And I don't know if he means the pills or if he means the whale cam, because the bottle of pills Emily's holding, I don't think has anything in it. I think it's empty. So it's hard to tell. But, but Emily calls the... Well, you know what? Uh, now that I think about it, it might have been an episode before that he was off the meds. Yeah, there was. There was a, the, in the previous episode we also saw, that's when he, that's when he really started to kind of go crazy was he realized he didn't have... Uh, any left but so emily calls the number on the medicine bottle and is talking to a doctor and from that she sort of finds out what's going on with him and they look up the name of the doctor and they realize that he is in some way connected with this person named uh, alex they uh, as in nolan and emily yeah nolan and emily are calling the doctor um uh, what's Tyler's last name? Tyler Barrel. So they they see this name, Alex Barrel, and um, they realize that that's his brother, and he's a doctor in a, um, I think a was it like the neurology ward or or something? I feel like he works on brains or on something like that. But they they call you know nolan calls his brother and basically says yeah tyler is off his meds and he's going crazy and you really need to get down here and so it sounds like his brother is going to be coming to help yeah the, the brother says oh gosh he's violent when he's off his meds like i'll come right there right away i'll catch the next flight and nolan says hey hey like i'll get a i'll get you a plane just go to the airport Right, yeah, Nolan's like, yeah, tomorrow's not going to cut it. We need you to get here right now. <laughs> right so, now. But it sounds like his brother, like, knows what's going on, is supportive. And yeah, he seems to come. really care about him. Pardon? Yeah, I mean, his brother seems to really care about Tyler. I think he's just, you know, uh, worried about him more so, and, and he seems to be one of the only people who knows how, really how to handle the situation. And um, uh, this is the first time we've... We've heard about a brother, right? 
Yeah, we don't really know much about Tyler's background. I mean, we hear a lot of stories, but what we mostly heard in earlier episodes was Emily questioning his stories and thinking that most of them were lies. So we don't really have a clear picture of what's actually going on with Tyler, who his family is, what they do, etc. We know that he was previously working for some man and basically getting money from him for probably sexual favors uh, from the sound of it. Uh, That's really the most that we know about Tyler before that. So then we have a scene of Victoria talking with Conrad. He fills her in on Tyler's threats and the fact that Tyler's blackmailing him. And that's when he says that he did some investigating, basically, and he called the dean of Harvard and found out that Tyler wasn't even enrolled in the school for a long time. I'm trying to figure out, wait, he was living with Daniel, but they he wasn't enrolled? Or was this just his, like, undergrad roommate? I still can't remember how Daniel and Tyler know each other. Either way, it sounds like his family had stopped paying tuition a while ago, and uh, he hasn't been enrolled since then. I honestly think and that Victoria, some of this stuff could be that the writers just didn't know where they were going to take the story. <laughs> that's also possible. Um, and Victoria says, wow, you know, uh, it sounds like we've been part of an extortion plan the whole time. And Conrad says, yeah, I don't think it's just been this summer. I think this has probably started and he, you know, Tyler's had this all planned out since he first met Daniel. So probably what happened is Tyler met Daniel, maybe in undergrad, maybe in grad school. They were living together either in the dorm in undergrad or just, you know, chose to live together in grad school. At some point along the way, Tyler's family stops paying for tuition. He stops actually going to school, but is still pretending that he is. He then comes and spends the summer with Daniel trying to get a job with Conrad. That's what we know. And I think that Daniel doesn't know anything about, you know, this whole plan. But I do think that this plan had probably started from the beginning. It may have even possibly been that Tyler found out where Daniel was going to school and decided to go there because of that. I mean, if he's really trying to get in with the Graysons, you know, maybe he won't stop at anything. So we don't really know how long this has been in Tyler's plans, but probably for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, a man on a mission. <laughs> can't, can't fault him for that, you know. <laughs> He's got goals and aspirations. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I I don't think that he is uh, exactly the role model you should be looking at. <laughs> Gotta but... love a guy who knows what he wants. <laughs> okay. So then we get... <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just moving past all of your ridiculous things. You don't give me any type of satisfaction. No, I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm just to. trying to make you laugh. Okay. Well, then we have a scene with Declan and Amanda, and it's the first time in this episode, you know, more than halfway through, that we are seeing either of the Porters and Amanda at all. We've heard them mentioned, but really hadn't seen them that much. Uh, And so Declan is talking with Amanda, basically telling her, like, hey, you know, it's kind of weird that we're, like, hosting this party for you know, Daniel Grayson, and Amanda, you know, questioning why, and he says, well, Jack, you know, used to be really into Daniel's girlfriend, Emily, and, you know, it's kind of weird that we're now, like, serving them or whatever, and you can tell that Amanda's a little bit jealous about this, and so she sort of talks to Jack about it and asks, you know, if he ever had a thing for Emily and if they used to date, and Jack basically says, yeah, you know, I, I, I did like her, we accidentally went on a date once. He doesn't talk about, you know, really all of his feelings, but he does, he does, he is upfront and honest, and I appreciate that. But then he goes, you know, Amanda, you're the one I've been waiting for my whole life. And so I, I think say, he's, he, like, he's reassures happy. her. 
But this is just even more proof that, like, Jack... Jack has more genuine chemistry and a connection with Emily. That was the person that he liked when he didn't know who she was. And the only reason he seems to really like Amanda, I mean, she's, you know, she's beautiful, whatever, but the only real reason he seems to really like her and want to be with her is because he thinks that she's this childhood person that he was in love with. Yeah, again, it's it's the history. Yeah, not really. But, um... But, But I'm glad that we had this scene in there because it, it showed us a little bit of the sort of darker side to Amanda that we've seen a couple times where she seems so possessive of Jack. And the part that I don't get is, like, if she really is as loyal to Emily as she claims to be and if and from what we've seen, you know, they're, they're best friends and she really cares about her, she should be... You Don't you think that she would feel a little weird about the fact that, like, clearly Emily and Jack have some history? And she knows that Emily is the real Amanda, who well, Jack likes. Well, I was going to say, you say dark. I just think it's more, you know, maybe she has some insecurities, but that, you know, we're all human. And as far as being closer with Emily, I mean, she kind of was the beginning for sure. She knew her at first. But Emily's got Daniel, and I think Amanda just really wants love, too. And Jack gives her more attention. And That's true. We don't really have any conversations between Emily and Amanda about Daniel. Like, I, I I, don't know if, you know, you would think that Emily or Amanda would go up to Emily and be like, who, who's this guy you're dating? Tell me more. You know, we don't really get anything about that. So I'm sure that Amanda really does just think that Emily likes him. And that's it. And of course, she doesn't know anything about the Graysons, you know, Well, Emily also history. doesn't really flaunt her relationship with Daniel at all. Except for in front of Victoria. She likes to do well, that. I was going to say outside of the family. <laughs> um, yeah. Doesn't. Exactly. So, then we have this really weird, this was the most uncomfortable weird scene for me in the whole episode, was Daniel goes to confront Tyler, and Emily just sort of lets him, and I'm like, girl, you know Tyler is, like, off the deep end. Aren't you a little bit afraid that he could, I don't know, attack Daniel, tell him something, anything like that? But he doesn't. Like, Daniel walks into the pool house, and Tyler is just sitting creepily in the dark, like, in this chair, smiling. And Daniel comes in and is basically like, hey, you need to get out of here and I'm going to call the police. And Tyler's just, like, really acting sketchy. And I know that he's off his medication and so this is probably more of just, you know, I mean, he, he's got he's got a, a mental problem that's, that's serious and, it's, and that's why he's acting so strange. But it's not like, he doesn't really try to attack... Daniel, he he tells Daniel that he's he's he is leaving, that he's gonna fly to California, and he sort of gets up close and maybe even shoves him a little bit when Daniel says that he's going to call the cops. But mostly it's just Tyler being like, "Oh, you're not as dumb as I thought you were. Maybe you actually do have a brain." And, and it's just kind of a weird, creepy scene. Tyler's just like, "Have a good life," he just walks off, apparently to leave. You know, what you were saying earlier about maybe Tyler just wants to be a part of the Grayson family or just wants a close family, I think there may be, we're getting a little bit of a hint that maybe Tyler also either likes Daniel or wants to be Daniel. We see a lot of scenes of him being jealous of Emily or or very anti their relationship. And I think if he just wanted a part in this company, I 
don't think that he would care that much, you know, what Daniel's doing on the side. But I think, you know, we see earlier when he's trashing the room that he throws this picture of this framed picture of Emily and Daniel, he throws it and and breaks a mirror. And I think that we're definitely getting some, you know, he, he, he says, you know, oh, you don't mean that, Danny, you don't mean that, we're friends. And I think that he really does want to be, uh, want to be Daniel or be with Daniel or, you know, close to him and, and we're not really sure exactly in what that yeah you know, in, is that as brothers way, or as kind of more like lovers. Yeah, it's really it's really hard to tell. We don't we don't know, but but I think that's probably part of it. Um, and it's just being brought out in in more of a fashion since he's uh, not doing well because he hasn't been taking his medication. So after that scene, we have. A quick little scene of Jack and Emily setting up the clam bake, and they're throwing seaweed on a fire, which I, I don't, I've never had an official clam bake, so I don't really know what, what that is, but I'm guessing that's something. It just looks like something that would smell bad to me. <laughs> I don't know, not really a fan. But we have a quick flashback of them as kids playing, you know, playing with water guns or something in the pool and something that i've noticed about these scenes i can't remember if i mentioned this before on a podcast but i know these flashbacks are supposed to show us like oh look emily and jack they love each other they even loved each other as kids blah 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 maybe on jack's part since he was a couple years older but every time i see these flashbacks i just think yeah they're they're cute kids playing around there's no like romantic feeling in these flashbacks like they're too young, or at least Amanda, or, you know, young child Amanda, is too young to have, like, a, a connection with him beyond friendship. And I know they have, like, a little scene where they're pretending to get married or whatever, but but I'm just thinking about myself that age. And I even had, you know, boyfriends in preschool and kindergarten and stuff, but there was there was no romantic connection behind that. It was more of just, like, a, a friendshipy kind of thing. And I, I, I don't really think there's been many... You know, it wasn't until I was in probably, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade that I actually thought of, thought of, uh, boys in like a, you know, more than just friend kind of way that lasted with me for, for longer than, you know, just a couple seconds. So, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I go either way. I've had crushes on boys for forever since day one, but also I could think that maybe this whole thing Since is- day one. What do you want, a reality <laughs> TV show? I've loved you since day one. <laughs> Well, I moved. Like, I always consider myself, like, the new, like, the new person in school because I moved. But I moved. You moved one time. You moved one time I in, like, first grade. In first grade, guys. I moved in first grade. And I was with the same oh people from first until senior year of high school. But for some reason, I still consider myself the new kid because I was the new kid at one point when I moved halfway through first grade. But, like, I think it's just, like, a scarring thing. Like, I, I gotta get that out of my head. But for some reason, I was like, oh, I'm the new kid. <laughs> That's kind of pathetic. I, I'm not going to lie. Look, but, I, yeah, I never had to be the new kid because I moved in kindergarten, but like, come on. Come on. What now. I was going to say about Jack is that maybe this is something that he's developed later in life, but he's like fantasizing and just building it all up in his head about how they were lovers in the past, but really it's all just in his head. I, I'm not exactly sure. And, and, you know, maybe he went through some rough patches in middle school and high school, and that's why he's resorting back to a girl that you met in kindergarten or elementary school maybe and and you know it's weird with jack because like with nolan nolan knows the truth about you know david clark and so he feels really bad for emily because of her past 
Jack feels bad for Amanda because of, you know, her father dying and her father being a criminal. And he, you know, he knew his father and didn't think he was a bad guy. But he doesn't know the full burden of the that her, her father was innocent and these people framed him and i and i so i i feel like it seems more genuine and real when coming from nolan the care for for emily i mean um as opposed to jack's which does feel a lot more fantasized and like he put this kid on a pedestal when he was younger and you know and and that's just been built up in his mind for so long also you, know, you would have i was thinking so david worked for grace and global right right wouldn't you think that people that were employees of grace and global would also live in new york city and they lived in the hamptons like wouldn't you think that they just go to the hamptons for the summer so really jack and i think it Emily... was i think it was just the summer house i think that was just their summer house. Yeah, so, i think they probably did live somewhere so, okay else. so jack and amanda little amanda only saw each other in the summer that from what i can tell and and from what i can tell it probably was only like one summer like i i mean all of the flashbacks we see are them around the same age and maybe you know obviously that's logistically because the actors need to be that way but i'm pretty sure in one of the early flashbacks uh you know amanda said something like oh do we get to live here now and and david clark said you know yeah this is our summer home or i it didn't it seemed like they were moving in for the first time i could be wrong about that maybe it just well it's just you know the way what some people just steal your heart, and it could be after only a second, you know? I saw... You're right. It could be from day one. I saw Liam Hemsworth in that one movie with Miley Cyrus, and it only took about one second of screen time. He didn't even have to open his mouth, and I fell in love. So, you know, you can't fault him for that. Okay. <laughs> it took me It took me a little longer to fall in love with John Krasinski, but <laughs> but I did. I fell hard. Oh my gosh. I've got yeah. a long list of boys that I've... Men, I mean. Men. Tom Welling. You mean famous people? You mean celebrities? Oh, yeah, of course. I've never met any of them before, but... <laughs> no, I'm saying it's it's a long list of people you're definitely not ever going to be with. Hey! Not I like people dream, you actually you? Sure. Liam so, Hemsworth will open up his mind one day. Just kidding. I love Miley Cyrus. But they won't work out in the long run. And then he'll meet me in Virginia. And it'll all be great. And I'll be going over to Australia with him. And we'll go down under with the kangaroo. <laughs> that wasn't uh, Australian. But anyway, we'll go on down under and put some shrimp on the bobby. Okay. So, Emily, <laughs> Emily calls Nolan. And uh, while he's on the phone with her. Okay, this is this is serious because this is my least favorite scene. I think I've already said this twice in this episode, but this one's my real least favorite scene. So, Nolan's on the phone with Emily and I don't even remember what they're talking about, something about Tyler probably. But he notices that his door is open. He's like, "Huh, weird." And so he goes to shut it and lock it, and that's when he hears someone behind him. He turns around. Tyler's there with a knife. He wants the recordings. He's threatening Nolan. And Nolan's like, I don't have the recordings. Ah. And then Tyler, like, sort of stabs him in the arm, kind of cuts him sort of in the arm. It doesn't really seem to bleed, like, that much, but I'm pretty sure it was probably pretty bad. Um, That's when he turns around and sees that Nolan's laptop is open with a camera in Emily's house or in, in her living room. And so Tyler sees sees Emily. Apparently the volume on the computer was also up because Emily is talking with Daniel Grayson and he sees that Emily has a gun and exactly where she keeps it. 
And so that is just a fantastic scene for for whatever reason. Well, here's the here are my three big problems. Well, with I was gonna scene. say real quick is Nolan and Emily are talking because Nolan was saying, "Oh, hey, I can see Tyler is on a plane across to California." Right. Yeah, because uh, it sounds like Tyler suspected that his phone was probably being traced, and so he decided to send his luggage ahead to California with his phone. But which is da da, he's there. Right, which is kind of weird because I guess it implies that Tyler was actually planning on going to California, um, and he just decided to wait around for an extra day. But the biggest three problems. Thing number one, his door is unlocked. The how like these people are dealing with, you know, information like people. These are rich people. <sighs> okay, so we've talked about that. Thing number two. Yeah, so why does he to just leave? My own apartment complex. There was a gate on there. Yeah, and look, so the next one is that Nolan just leaves his computers out. His computer's out, open, not password protected. Like, I've learned at work, when you walk away from your desk, even for a second, you close your computer so that it locks, or you or you hit the button to, you know, lock it so that no one can just get on. And these are people at the same company as you. So, that's just stupid. And then the last one is, Tyler's talking about, you know, oh, Nolan, give me the, give me the files, I know you back everything up. And it's like, the truth of the matter is, no, Nolan didn't back up this information, which which I've been saying he should have backed up this information. How do you so know Tyler he didn't back it up? actually has a point here. Because I think that was the whole thing when like when the whale cam got taken, him and Emily were like, shoot, that's our only copy. <sighs> so Tyler just leaves Nolan and ties him up there and whatever. Then we go back to the party. So Ashley's talking with Emily, and Emily's kinda like, Oh, you know, how are you doing? I'm sure it must be bad that that, you know, you found out who the real Tyler is, and Ashley kind of snaps at her and is like, you know, you know, he's not a monster, he's just sick, you should, you should be more empathetic, you should try it sometime. And this is just more, you know, deteriorating of their relationship. We haven't seen them be friendly with each other in a really long time. And, uh, I know we've talked about this before, that Ashley was really one of Emily's only, you know, close girlfriends, and it sounds like Ashley's pretty much completely dropped emily as a friend at this point yeah i mean what do you think is ashley at all jealous of emily emily's successful relationship i don't know that they i mean they always started off in different economic uh levels so there could have always been some animosity there I think I think there is some jealousy there. I think it has more to do with her success in money and status more so than her relationship. I'm sure that doesn't help. But I think also just Emily has a way of talking to Ashley of sort of being like, haha, I told you so. As or opposed to being her? kind of. She's she's just not really being comforting like a real friend would be. So you know, I just don't think that this is a relationship that Emily has put any effort into maintaining. And we haven't really even seen that many scenes of them, like, girl talk, and, like, have a slumber party. Like, you haven't really seen that. No, not really. Besides that one time they went out to go get cheap margaritas or whatever in episode <laughs> Besides one. Besides cheap margaritas. Yeah. So, then we get, dun-dun-dun, the big scene. Uh, it's actually kind of anticlimactic, but it's a big moment in terms of the plot of this entire show, is Amanda Clark, the fake Amanda Clark, but the person with the Amanda Clark name, is going to meet Mr. and Mrs. Grayson. And you think it's going to be a big moment. Amanda's just kind of smiling and being like, oh, hey, nice to meet you guys. And the two of them are just kind of like, hey, 
And that's really it. That's it. At one point, Emily tries to, like, duck out, you know, of the conversation. And she's like, oh, I'm going to go help Jack or whatever. And Amanda's like, oh, no, 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 you stay here. I'll, I'll go help them. And, you know, Emily's like, shoot, <laughs> I was trying to trying to leave you guys alone to talk. But I, I, I think the thing that bothers me so much about this, and we don't know what Emily's full plan is right now. But the thing that bothers me is, like, couldn't she have told Amanda like, she knows Amanda's going to find out at some point that the Graysons are bad, probably. So I feel like this just whole thing would have been so much better. Instead of trying to use Amanda as, like, a pawn in this game, just tell her and have her on her side, you know, like like how Nolan is. I mean, I think the thing is that she probably thinks if she tells Amanda, Amanda's going to tell Jack and, you know, her secrets are going to get completely out. Yeah, I think Nolan is a way more trustworthy person. Amanda has been shown to be a, a loose cannon at times, so I really just... I wouldn't trust uh, it to. I wouldn't trust Amanda to keep a secret, and I don't want her. I think the less information she knows, the better. Probably, I just don't like the idea of her. Uh, I think, from what we know of Amanda's plan or uh, Emily's plan, is that the Graysons are going to somehow try to run Amanda out of town, whether that be by scaring her or harming her or whatever. And I just don't think that's a a good thing to do to your friend, but I just don't whatever. get. She doesn't look anything like Emily. <laughs> How is this even? Yeah. Uh, realistic. <sighs> We've talked about this. It's just it's a TV show. We have to go. Yeah, with you're it. right. You're right. You're right. So then we get another flashback, and this one is the most confusing for me. So it's a flashback of Victoria and David on the beach talking in broad daylight, like in the middle of the day. Talking about how, you know, I think this is the morning or the or the early on in the day scene connected to that nighttime scene we keep getting where Victoria comes over and Emily's hiding behind the couch and she's like, and she's in the white dress and she's like, oh, David, we're going to go away together. And then Victoria leaves and then the cops come in. I think this is the morning of that scene. And so it's the first time we're getting, you know, a little bit more of a backstory. And the morning is that Daniel or David says that he called Conrad and that Conrad seemed tense. And Victoria says, yeah, it's probably because he knows I'm going to leave him. You know, I love you. Can't wait to leave tonight or, or not leave tonight, but, you know, come see you tonight. And David says, yes, it's going to be great. You can meet Amanda for the first time. Here's what bothers me. Jack and Amanda are literally in the background of this scene. They're literally on the beach in the back. Like, you could meet her right then. Like, she's right there. Why aren't you, why aren't you meeting her? Then? Ugh, it's just stupid. It's a stupid scene. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't really make any sense, but. I mean, maybe it's not the same day as everything goes down, but I, I get the feeling it is. Um, just based on how sort of sketchy Victoria is being, but she does say that she loves him. And how long was whatever. the relationship supposed to even be? I mean, I don't know. Was it just one probably, summer? Yeah, maybe. I mean, who knows how long it could have sort of been, you know, building on. But I think the 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 most intense part of the relationship was probably that summer or the you know past several months. So everyone goes outside for the clam bake, and then we see Tyler show up to Emily's house. So, and then Tyler's brother comes to Nolan's house, and you see that Nolan is tied up, and Tyler's brother luckily manages to come around to the back door, which was open. I guess when Tyler left, he just left the door open again, you know, whatever. It's people without the doors. And, uh, and so he, you know, helps Nolan, and Nolan calls Emily's phone, but of course Emily doesn't have her phone with her because these people are careless, and of course there's no lock on her phone or whatever, and so Tyler answers it. And 
you know, basically says, haha, Nolan, you're too late. I'm here and whatever. I don't think you even need so, a lock, though. I don't think you need to unlock your phone to pick up a phone call. Well, yeah, that's true. Probably not. But but it's just like, you know, I just think that they, these people are so careless with their belongings. And, I, I, you know, obviously it's why the show, even though the show was made in, you know, 2011, it's why it's sort of even more unrealistic nowadays is because people would have their phones on them at all times. Yeah, exactly. We're all addicted. But, so then we go back to the clam bake, and Victoria is giving Daniel a birthday present, which is a scrapbook. Like, earlier on in the episode, Emily had told Victoria that she was giving him a scrapbook, and Victoria mocked her and was like, oh, that's so inventive. Mm. And so, literally, she gives Daniel the exact same thing, and Emily, I love it, she throws it right back at her, and she goes, oh, Victoria, how inventive. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I, I... <sighs> Victoria's good. I would do that if I was Victoria. Yeah, but it's not, I mean, it'd be one thing if, it, if Victoria's thought was like, oh, I'm going to get him a scrapbook, and then and then he's going to open Emily's scrapbook, and it's going to be the same thing. Except Emily gave him the scrapbook, like, earlier on in the episode. Like, she didn't, she didn't give him the present, you know, right then at dinner at the same time. So I think this is still one point in Emily's book in terms of the score against Victoria. So then Emily goes inside the house to get the cake, I guess they ate all the clams, good for them. And she sees Tyler in the room, and they sort of have a little confrontation, but it's clear based on the way Emily sort of, you know, subtly smiling during the scene that she knew Tyler was going to show up, and this was all planned. She puts something in his pocket, we don't quite see what it is, and then she turns away from him, and he gets the gun and points it at her, but you can tell that she's smiling, she wanted him to do that. And this is where I call BS, because I can believe that Emily thought he might come over. I can believe that Emily was hoping he would so that she could, you know, put whatever she put in the pocket. But I don't buy that Emily knew that he was going to go to Nolan's, watch the video camera, and deliberately, at that time, deliberately see where she put the gun. That is the part that I don't buy. Because if she really wanted him to get the gun, which I think it's clear by the rest of the episode that she does want him to get the gun, I think she would have put it in plain sight. You know, I mean, it was in a desk drawer, but that that's the only part that really comes across as being a little too cute, you know? Yeah, how, how was I, there I any that, way that she knew that he was watching her on the camera? Yeah, at that exact time. And if she did know that, she's playing, you know, risk with Nolan here. Because, you know, what, are we going to say that she knew that he was going to go to Nolan's house, stab him, and tie him up? Like, it just seems like a little bit too much right there. Unless Emily's on Tyler's side. Yeah, okay, and Emily's not, we're not playing that devil's advocate. So, Emily comes out with the cake, and Tyler's walking behind her with the gun. The thing that's a little annoying about this scene is the shot from the opening scene never fits into this. It, it's sort of laid out in a different way, so you kind of just have to, you know, use your imagination to, you know, uh, suspend your disbelief that, that maybe we skip a couple seconds at some point in this scene. And so Tyler says that he wants to play a game called Truth or Die. What did you think of Truth or Die? Is that clever? Should we add that to the I never played that game before. Game night? It seems to be, I don't know, it was a little cheesy. But he basically points the gun at everyone and says, I'm going to ask a question. And if you tell the truth, or someone's going to die. I like that he says someone's going to die. Not you're going to die. Because 
probably some of these people wouldn't care if they died, but it's more about, or, you know, they would care, but I'm, like, they were going to care more if someone yeah. around them died. Probably. So first, does he confront Conrad first, and he wants yes. him to tell it's, the truth about David Clark? Right, and that's all he says. He basically says, I know you've been lying, tell the truth about David Clark. He doesn't, he doesn't say anything, he doesn't accuse Conrad of anything in particular, he just says that he knows he's lying. And this is a scene that's made more interesting by the fact that Amanda Clark is there with, you know, Jack and Declan. Declan's also there. Declan really doesn't get enough in this episode, neither does Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. You know. But they're all there. So, luckily, right around then is when, uh, you know, Conrad decides not to tell the truth, not to say anything. So Tyler points the gun at Emily. Again, not really sure, because out of everyone at that table, Emily's probably one of the least people that Conrad cares about. I do think it's probably because that's the person that Tyler wants to kill. But it, it doesn't, you know, if, if you want Conrad to say something, point the gun at Charlotte, you know. That's true. Wow, or Daniel. That's true. Yeah, or, or himself. But anyway, right then, luckily it was pointed at Amanda, because right then, Jack and Daniel tackle Tyler. I, I appreciate the fact that Amanda Jack seemed to be the one... Emily, sorry. Whatever. So confusing. Emily. Yeah, so right then, Jack and Daniel tackle Tyler, and I really, I like the fact that Jack is the first one to really jump up and and do it. Because he's a man. And they tackle Tyler, yeah, and uh, take the gun, because that's when um, Tyler's brother shows up, and so I think Tyler gets a little distracted, turns around, sees his brother, and they take advantage of that moment to tackle him. Uh, Then we sort of jump to the, the police have shown up, and they are, you know, taking Tyler away. And we get a couple bits of information. First one is that it was Frank's wallet that Emily planted on Tyler. So what do you think about this? Because it's been a couple episodes since we've seen the whole Frank's wallet thing. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really make any sense that Tyler would have any motive to kill Frank, right? Well, I, I think the motive is... It, it's mostly to get the heat off Amanda, because Amanda's the one who killed Frank, and Amanda's the one who brought the wallet to Emily. Oh, yeah, no, I so know they're trying to put it on someone else. I'm just saying, is it believable at all that Tyler would have a motive to kill Frank? Um, maybe you could say, since Frank was sort of an investigator, maybe, you know, Frank could have been on to Tyler, and Tyler killed him for that reason. I, I, I think that based on the fact that Tyler seems to, you know, have some psychological problems it wouldn't be too hard to believe that he would have killed anyone. And he was, so. like, looking like he was going to kill someone tonight, so. Right. So then we hear that Nolan is talking with Emily and he goes, you know, I find it interesting that your gun was not loaded. And I think that's also why maybe she smiles earlier. She knows, okay, no one's actually going to get hurt here. She wouldn't have really played with people's lives like this, you know. And uh, I, I guess we're to loaded? believe. That's question. No, I think that she had unloaded it probably sometime that day or a few days ago. I think she she sometimes keeps it loaded, but sometimes doesn't. And that's what she, you know, tells Well, him. did she know at all that Tyler uh, didn't actually leave? Or she did she? I think she she probably suspected, you know, that it was But no one ever told possible. her. No one ever said, oh my no, gosh. No, no one ever told her. Nolan found it out, but they had already hung up okay. after that point. So... That's really, the for the most part, that's the end of the episode. We get two little uh, end-of-episode clips, but first we have a quote 
that talks about duress again. So it says duress impacts relationships in one of two ways. It either tears people apart or strengthens their connections, binding them tightly in a common objective. So compared to the first quote of the episode that was talking about, you know, lawyers, I think this one is sort of saying all of these people were under duress with Tyler and they managed to stay strong and stay together. And she was using Tyler clearly as a common enemy to pit people against each other without her actually having to do the dirty work. A little cleaner than some of her other takedowns, and so I appreciate that. Uh, do you think this is the last time we're going to see Tyler? I was literally just about to ask you that. Uh, I'd like to say yes, but like with this show, people come back, Lydia comes and she rises from the dead, so <laughs> I like to think this is the end of Tyler, but you just never know. Yeah, where has Lydia been? <laughs> it's been so long that we watched she lived the show, the... I don't even remember. Plus, we saw that she lived with the Graysons. Yeah, she, Conrad took her out of there. I don't know, maybe she's with Conrad. Who, who even knows? Keeping the bed point. warm. So at the end during this, um, during this quote and during the last two scenes, we also have, I don't know if you caught this, but the song uh, Nothing Else Matters by Metallica is playing. It's a, it's a cover of the Metallica song. Um, a woman is singing it, but it's a pretty good cover. It's a kind of a eerie song, and I, I think they definitely use it a couple times throughout the series as a end credit song. Uh, this is the first time I think we're getting it, unless we had it previously that I'm not remembering. But the last two scenes we get, we have one with Amanda, where she's walking home from the party and she's talking with Jack. You want to go through this one? Yeah, all I really have is that she, Amanda's talking to Jack and she says, hmm, I wonder if there is more to David Clark than, that the Graysons are hiding. Yeah, and and Jack doesn't seem to really be bothered by this too much. He's like, oh, you know, that guy seemed crazy, whatever. Oh, but that I guy think was Amanda... Her dad. No, no, I mean, like, he's saying that Tyler seemed crazy, oh, and so who oh, knows? Oh, oh, Tyler was accusing yeah. him. Yeah. Or, yeah, what he said wasn't true w- at all. Tyler was the one. And so so I don't think Jack's really thinking about this too much, but Amanda seems to be really thinking, like, hmm, you know, maybe there's more than we've been told. And I think what she's implying there is Emily. not just what the news has told us, but what Emily has yep. told me. Yep. Clearly there's something more than just that. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next episode or two we get a confrontation, you know, with with Amanda and and Emily about a uh, about this or or if Amanda starts to look in a little bit more toward these accusations that Tyler was making. Yeah, exactly. So and then the last scene is with um with Victoria's lawyer and he comes in, he tells Victoria that he did find the proof for the miscarriage and that the prenup is null and void. Well, he sound he said he found a doctor who was willing to forge a document stating that she actually had a miscarriage. So yeah, I mean it, it was it was a fake pregnancy, but he's he's decided to play dirty with her, I guess. It wasn't a real it wasn't real proof. It was uh, uh, he had found a doctor who was willing to forge a document stating that she had had a miscarriage. Yeah, because so obviously pregnancy she wasn't, wasn't actually, actually real. the whole time. Right. So, yeah, so we, we have a couple more interesting things from this episode. The main plot line really centered around Tyler. We got a little bit of that divorce stuff sprinkled in. Uh, you know, as much as Amanda Clark annoys me, I'm kind of sad we didn't get more of her in this episode. I feel like that would have been better. And, I, you know, I feel like there's so much leading up to her meeting with the Graysons, and I kind of hoped it would be a little more 
you know, have a little more in it. Yeah, it was kind of uneventful. It was anticlimactic. So, yeah, I'll have to see. I mean, sometimes when episodes favor one character, the next episode they'll favor the other character. So, maybe that'll be more of Amanda and Jack in episode, uh, what was this, 11? Yeah, so in episode, episode 12. 12. Hopefully. Hopefully. But that's really it for tonight. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Sorry that this episode, again, is coming out a little later than had planned. But hopefully from this point on, we will get our ish together and go back to a weekly. Were we ever really on a weekly basis? Not sure. But we'll try. We're going to try. Yeah, we'll We're see. Uh, got it. It's, gonna, it's only going to get crazier for me. But um, but we'll, we'll try. Uh, and let us know if you like hearing about our lives outside the show or, you know, what you're really in, in, um, what you're really listening to this podcast for. So just, we always encourage people to write comments, reviews, even write on our website. Uh, just let us know what you really want to hear. Cause I'm happy about talking about, about my life, but really, you guys don't really know me. So <laughs> maybe I just like yes. to hear the sound of my voice. I don't know. I don't like to vent. <laughs> It's definitely some of both. But yeah, feel free to send us comments and questions on our website or on our Twitter, which is at KowskiCast. That's cow with a K. You can also watch our episodes on our YouTube channel, which is also KowskiCast with a K. Uh, we currently still only have one episode up there, but I'm going to try to get the second one up pretty soon. I'm trying to mess around with what I really want to do there because obviously it's not commentary on top of an actual episode of the TV show, but I want to incorporate some visuals so that maybe if you really haven't seen the show for a while or if you're not interested in watching the show but want to hear us talk for whatever reason, that you could kind of get the point and feel like you know the characters without actually having to see the show. So that's kind of what I'm working on over there. Hopefully I'll get episode two and three out pretty soon in terms of that. Yeah, that, that's awesome, Mary, that you're doing that. It takes a lot of work and I don't have the time or the patience to do that. So thank you for creating those visual, um, I don't know, visual aids. Visual podcasts, yeah. Yeah. And uh, like I said before, if you want to hear more from me, head over to robhaswebsite.com or check out Rob Has a Podcast on YouTube or on iTunes um, and see what he's doing over there. Really recommend it. But I think that's going to be all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. And we'll be back next Monday, hopefully, for her rewatch of episode 12. Yeah. If you want to know more about me, just Google broke grad student girl. But for now, we're the Kowski sisters. Peace out. What? Sorry? <laughs>